We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings upon the Prophet, peace be upon him. It seems like there's an echo. Uh, um, okay, testing, testing. Nope, still there's an echo. Testing, testing, testing. Still an echo. Okay, I guess we'll just have to make two. Are you hearing an echo? You are? Okay. Some of you are, some of you are not. Okay. How about now? Echo, echo, echo. Is no. it better? Yes. It's better? Okay. All right. <laughs> so... We're going to continue with uh, with round two of, of our Quran class. And as is the case with me already, you know how much I enjoy the whiteboard. And so first, ultra, ultra quick review in terms of Surah Al-Baqarah. We've said before that we have four parts. So this you probably all mastered. But the most common reading of al-Baqarah is to break it down in rukus, of which there are 40 rukus, and this is mostly aligned with that. And, and so, so we have the intro, the Ummah of Musa, peace be upon him, which is what we are now covering. The Ummah of Muhammad and the conclusion. Peace be upon them. And so, conclusion is ayah is the last two ayahs, Oops. twenty-five to twenty-six. The ummah of Muhammad is ayahs seventy-five to two eighty-four. The ummah of Musa is ayah forty to seven. Uh, I'm sorry, forty to one twenty-three. And then the intro, which you're all masters of now, is one through thirty-nine. So our goal is to do the first part of this. And, and so we can split this up into two parts as you can perhaps figure out. Uh, one is the decline of the children of Israel. And we will define who the children of Israel are shortly. And the other one, which you will find to be perhaps more interesting, causes and manifestations of rejection. So this is ayah 40 to 74. And this is ayahs 75 through 123. And what you notice is that most of the sections, <clears throat> the subsections throughout the text, most of them are give or take 40 ayahs. Technically, the section we're on, we're doing here is about 35 ayahs. Then you can see the causes and manifestations of rejection is nearly 50 ayahs. But give or take, they all hover around 40, 40 ayahs. Each of the subsections, especially when we get into the parts 
regarding the Ummah of Muhammad, peace be upon him. Uh, I suspect in terms of speed, uh, even though our current section is almost the same length as the intro, we're going to get through it much quicker. And, and so we'll also get into the causes and manifestations of Kufr um, uh, within the month of Ramadan. Good. So then from there, if we look right at the very, very first uh, section, uh, I'm going to start writing here. But looking at the ayahs that we're, that we're exploring, one of the repeated statements right from the beginning is, Ya Bani Israel, okay. which we literally translated as, O oh, sons of Israel, O oh, children of Israel. And so uh, the, the bulk of today's discussion is to explore who are the children of Israel. And so already uh, So how would you uh, answer that question? Who are the children of Israel in terms of the way we commonly, uh, uh, understand this, or who is, or what is Israel? And feel free to type or speak. The Yahoo is a, uh, his nickname is Israel. Okay, so so that is uh, uh, one of the most common understandings in terms of who is Israel, uh, which is the descendants. of Yaqub. Uh, the, the chat is disabled, by the way. Yeah. Chat's disabled? Oh, so sorry. Okay, is it working now? Can you see it now? Okay. So, we have this, and then we have this other term, Yahud. And then we have another term, Ahl al-Kitab. Okay. A quick question about what you had written in the previous whiteboard. Was the second point causes and manifestations of rejection or of kufr? I was I said rejection and I wrote kufr, so I'm using those terms synonymously, uh, Ramya. So I'm putting question marks behind this uh, um, to, to make a point in, in, in just a moment here. that when we speak of Bani Israel, commonly, this is going to make it confusing, commonly in our discourse, we speak of Bani Israel as being the same as the Yehud, which is modern Jews. I don't think this is accurate. Uh, for uh, a couple of reasons. Number one, when we speak of Musa, peace be upon him, according to our tradition, what was his religion? Easy question. According to our tradition, his religion is Islam. Was it called Islam? Probably not, because he spoke Hebrew. He did not speak Arabic. So. Now, does that mean that it is different than, than what Judaism would have been under him? 
that Allah knows best. So the point I'm saying is that the Ummah of Musa, peace be upon him, oh, hold on. If Musa, peace be upon him, is Muslim, then his Ummah at that time, his companions, I'm arguing, would be Muslim. And so likewise, uh, Yaqub, Jacob, Yaqub in our tradition, what is his religion? It is also Islam. And so, so one point I'm making is Bani Israel at one level are the companions of Moses. his contemporaries. Another, which we already said, are descendants of Yaqub. So how many children does Yaqub have? He has 12 children, and they're looked at as the foundation, the 12 tribes of Israel. So I've asked Rabbis, who are the children of Israel in, in your tradition? And some rabbis say they're the original Jews, and other rabbis say these are the proto-Jews. These, these are the predecessors of the people who became the Jews. And so another way to understand who is this, this is people who regard themselves as children of Israel. For example, the Jews of Medina. So we mentioned in the previous class that, <clears throat> that Surah Al-Baqarah, almost the entirety of it was revealed in the early period of the Prophet, peace be upon him, while he's in Medina. The last two ayahs were revealed when he's on the night journey in Mecca. But otherwise, almost the entirety of, of the surah itself is revealed in Medina. And one fundamental difference in terms of populations of the people of, of Mecca versus the people of Medina is that the people of Mecca, the overwhelmingly large population of them were idol worshippers. Okay. In Medina, we had very large populations of idol worshippers, but we also had multiple clans of Jews. And so it's understood in the Quran when it says, oh, children of Israel, do this, don't do this, so forth and so on. It's understood that it is addressing the Jews of Medina. And so what is the easiest way to describe the children of Israel? It's just to describe them as the children of Israel. 
But the point I want you to consider is that if they're companions of Musa, peace be upon him, then we can make the argument that they were Muslims of their time. And it's agreed upon, both in, in terms of Islamic sources and Jewish sources, that Israel was a title given to Yaqub, peace be upon him. In our sources, there are a number of different interpretations of, of what is the title Israel. One, the most common is that it's translated as Abdullah, servant of God. Less common, which actually to me seems more, more accurate, is one who has elevated to God. A small side point, when you see names in our tradition that end in il, Israel, Jibril, Mikael, Israfil, those are Hebrew imports. And so they're Arabicized words that have been imported into Arabic, but they're actually coming from Hebrew. Right, the Quran says of itself that it is a book of Arabic, but it does not negate the fact that it's importing Arabic words or importing words from other language that it takes in as Arabic. Salah and Zakah are actually words coming from Syriac. So are the children of Israel in this context limited to those who can trace their lineage back to the sons of Jacob or are the spiritual heirs included as well? Okay, what is the source of Yaqub of the... Uh, oh, of the NOI, you're talking about the Nation of Islam. Let me come back to that in a moment. Okay, so, so the other most common answer is basically people who regard themselves as the children of Israel. So relate to Late's question, it may be biological descendants or it may be religious descendants. And a different way to think about this is when we see commands in the Quran the first question that I pose is who is being, oh, to whom is the command being given to, to, given? Who is Allah Ta'ala giving a command to? So for example, anybody remember the first command? When we start from page one, not the command that the prophet receives, peace be upon him, but the very first command, so, so be the abd of your rab, yeah, which is in ayah 21. Anybody remember who that was a command to or whom that was a command to? And you're welcome to look it up. So to Anas, to everyone. So it's Ya Ayuhanas, O you who are people, O people, Budu Rabbakum. So that's a command for everybody. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to see in this section is a set of commands given to the children of Israel, and we're going to see that right from the beginning. And and included in there is do this, don't do this, so forth and so on. And so one of the questions for you and I is when Allah Ta'ala is speaking to the children of Israel directly, is he speaking to me directly? Meaning, if he is giving them a command, is it also a command to me? Okay. This we're going to explore in much more detail right now. I'm raising it as a question. Uh, a moment uh, to, your, to your question, what was the other interpretation? other than Abdul is, uh, is the one who has lifted uh, up to Allah, one who has elevated up to Allah. So think of even Isra in terms of how uh, we understand it in, in Arabic. We speak of Isra and Miraj. Okay, 
So, so I'm raising all this points on this, on this whiteboard to argue that we have to be cautious against automatically assuming Bani Israel are the same as the Jews. That's the one caution. So these are different ways to interpret who are the children of Israel. Often the easiest way is that the children of Israel are the children of Israel. Okay. I'm suggesting, at least in their early generation, they are uh, in what our perception would be Muslims. Next point is that the common notion here in, in our community, especially, or I mean our community, because that's what we're talking about, is that they are innately wicked. My suggestion is do not look at them as innately wicked. There's a couple things to see. I think they behave actually very normally. As we go through this, they behave like a normal population of people. But their tragic flaw is twofold. Number one is a lack of gratitude. Basir, uh, it is uh, children of Israel, the COI, children of Israel, Bani Israel. And then, uh, Sadia, I'll get to your question in a bit. Inshallah. So, lack of gratitude. That is the tragic flaw we're going to see throughout this, this whole uh, story. And then we have a teaching attributed to the Prophet, may peace be upon him, where, and I'm paraphrasing, where he says that there's two groups of people who if they are upright, the whole population is upright, and if they're corrupt, the whole population is corrupt. Who are those two groups of people? Anyone know? Anyone want to guess? Dun, 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 dun. One is the scholars, and the other, and the leaders. Uh, not the children, but uh, it would be the scholars and the leaders, so the ulama and the umarah. And so even though they had one of the greatest of all prophets as their leaders, as their leader, Prophet Moses, peace be upon him, uh, when he's away, other people usurp power from, from his brother. And in later generations, we have a lot of problems in terms of the, the conduct of their scholars, as well as leaders. So this is essentially their flaw, their tragic flaw. And the big one being lack of gratitude and then the people who are leading them are leading them down the wrong path. That is the arc we're going to see in the course of this story going from Aya 40 all the way up to Aya 74. And then the second half, which is about the Ummah of Musa, peace be upon him, we said it's the causes and manifestations of rejection, causes and manifestation of Kufr. We'll be speaking about behaviors among the children of Israel. And so we'll see a lot of, of wrong behaviors there. But I don't want you to see them as by default wicked. Uh, because I think that misses a lot of the lesson 
of, of their story. So, so now this first question that I've introduced. If the, if the command is with O children of Israel, Yabani Israel, then who is obliged to follow? Okay, so again, I'm raising the question. Me as Muslim in 2020, 1441, uh, if I'm looking at an ayah that says, you know, oh, humanity, oh, people, uh, do the following. I see that as a command to me. One thing we haven't yet seen in this surah, but let me take a moment to show it to you. So same surah, if we scroll down quite a bit, then we will see, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu. So let's get to around ayah 150. So right here, so 153. Oh, you who have believed. Yeah. When I, as Muslim in, in Chicago in 2020, see that passage and Allah Ta'ala gives a command, I see that as a command on me, meaning that this is something I'm potentially going to be held to account for on the day of judgment. And so the question for all of you is, if we look at, for example, Ayah 122, O children of Israel, is that a command for me? Me as me, or any of you, why or why not? Uh, feel free to type in or feel free to, 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 to speak. Sadia is saying, I think that this kind of ayah tend to have a direct and indirect addressee. So you're saying directly addressing the children of Israel and directly addressing me. Any other thoughts? We all think. So essentially I'm asking, like if you look at the command of ayah 122, remember the favor I bestowed upon you and that I preferred you above all the worlds. Is that also a command for me? So Nuhur is saying no. Uh, Ramya is saying if it's something I can benefit from, then yes. Uh, Sammy, because we're all followers of Musa, peace be upon him. And so uh, we can read it as, oh, previous Muslims. So Laith, would you then say, so that's, oh, previous Muslims. For current Muslim, would it be a command on, on us? What do you think? And it's not like you guys are going to fail and go to hell if you give me the wrong answer. You know? what do you think? Part of our process is the deliberation of figuring out answers to these questions. Some say yes, some say something to reflect on as opposed to a command. Okay. 
speaking a specific time and place. Allah is saying, look at this example, learn from it. Mm -hmm. Yes, because we can't learn from previous Muslim mistakes. Okay, so let's take this further. Uh, I'm going to leave this window up. Hopefully I'm not going to cause you eye strain by this rapid scrolling. Let's just bring this to back uh, to where we left off right here. I'm going to open up another window. And if you have a Mus'haf in front of you, we're going to go to Surah Al-Ahzab. What about the very first ayah? O Prophet, if all you saw was that, would you assume this is a command in you and I? What do you all think? Before looking at the text. And feel free to speak or, or type. A lot of times it's faster. So Sharak is saying no. Uh, some people are saying no. Remy said I wouldn't have before this conversation. Yeah. Okay, let's look at the command. Do not obey the disbelievers and the hypocrites. I mean, that seems like something I could benefit from. I could see it as a command that Allah Ta'ala is giving me. Yeah. Okay. And Saudi is saying I would take this as time for me for reflection. Okay. Let's go further in the surah. Uh, we're going to have some more fun with this. Scroll a little bit down. Unfortunately, I can't remember the exact ayahs, so I might have to... Uh, Just a little bit further. Oh, what about this? Oh, prophet, say to your wives. Is this an instruction for, for, for everyone to speak to their wives? If you desire the worldly life and its adornment, then come. I will, I will provide for you and give you a gracious release. But if you should desire Allah's messenger in the home of the hereafter, that is prepared for you. So, so everyone's saying no. Okay. Ya Nisa an Nabi. So now it's saying, O women of the Prophet, peace be upon him, where the translator is translating this as, O wives of the Prophet. Whoever you should commit a clear immorality, Fahish, for her the punishment would be doubled. Is this a, a teaching for all the women of Islam? What do y'all think? No, why not? Shouldn't women have like double punishment? Why should? Okay, my mom just said, why should? Okay. On the flip side, uh, those will also get double reward too. That's fine. Yeah, my mother just said, that's fine. <laughs> oh, oh, wives of the prophet, you are not like any other women. Um, and then when you speak, you should speak, don't speak softly, speak kind of like uh, in a tough tone. And what about this part? The previous address was wives of the prophet. Stay home. What do y'all think? <laughs> okay, we're seeing how fast the men say no to this. Good. So this is the point that I'm raising, uh, <clears throat> that when a command is being given, the, uh, the first question is not what is the content of the command, it is to whom is the command being given. And I'm arguing that when Allah Ta'ala is saying, O children of Israel, he's speaking, so to speak, out loud to them in our book, and then indirectly to us. Meaning, 
The command is for someone who considers themselves to be part of the children of Israel. I do not consider myself to be part of the children of Israel. So for me, it is something to reflect upon. But what is also interesting is just about everything Allah Ta'ala commands to the children of Israel, later on, and almost entirely in the same surah, he will later command to me. So for example, that one ayah that we looked at, uh, what was it, uh, 153? So if we look here, right at the beginning of our section, here's uh, Surah 2, Ayah 40, and then if we look at Ayah 46, or 45, Seek help uh, through sabr and salah. That is addressed to the children of Israel here, it's Surah 2, Ayah 45, but later in the same Surah, then Allah Ta'ala gives me the same command. Ya ayyuhaladzina amanu sta'inu bisabri wa salah. So again, the key point is look first at the who is being addressed when you see a command, and then look at the command. It's almost as though Allah Ta'ala is saying to them, this is a command for you, but for those of us, those of you who are here, the Ummah of Muhammad, you're going to be getting this soon, so prepare yourself. Make sense so far? And I'll try to catch up with some of the questions uh, in a bit, inshallah. Good. So, but Stephanie's question is, is immediately relevant. Why would there be commands for the children of Israel in the Quran? So now let's actually get into some content. What time are we at? Oh, we're actually already done. Uh, tell you what, let us stop right here. But let me give you the short answer, Stephanie. That <clears throat> that who who is being spoken to at the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, these would have been the Jews of Medina. And so it would follow in theory that the Prophet is saying, peace be upon him, I am your Prophet. I am the Prophet you've been waiting for. Therefore, you should be the first to embrace me. And so that's what we're actually going to see in, in the first part of, of this section, that they're essentially being told, all right, here is the completion of your tradition. Now embrace it. And so that's why they're being addressed. Uh, let, me, let me scroll through some of these other questions, and if other people have questions, feel free to, to, uh, to either speak or... Um, Raise a question. In fact, let me see if I can just do it on this screen. Sorry for a moment. Let me uh, stop the share. And okay. So uh, Abdullah is saying in the Old Testament, Israel is Jacob's new name after he wrestled with an unknown figure. And in the Bible, it means the one who struggled with God and men. How do Muslims understand that story? So. So yeah, and then there's this part where Jacob is is taking this ladder up to God. So so the basic story is that Jacob is wrestling with this angel, and then in the biblical narrative, it's actually God who Jacob is out wrestling, is over is is defeating, and then God reveals Himself. That I mean, I, I think just you know on that those points alone, I don't think that works really well in terms of our tradition. But I don't know of any equivalent to that story in in even like a muslimized version so to speak of, of that story in terms of quranic sources yeah. um could there be lessons in the way that the order is phrased to the children of israel versus how it is phrased to us or is it that there's no significant difference this would be the subject to interpretation and 
And so, so the commands that are being given to the children of Israel, uh, um, it seems as though it is also being commanded later on to, to the, the, the prophet, peace be upon him. And so it could be that, all right, look at them and then look at us. But I mean, your, your, your educated guess is just as good as mine uh, on this. I don't know of an example where we're given a command and then they are after us. Uh, but it seems in every case they're given a command first and then uh, we are. Um, <clears throat> so one command, that was a question that was sent to me privately, but um, was how do you know if you are not part of the children of Israel? I think we've sort of answered that. I don't consider myself to be part of the children of Israel. Uh, Ramya, this might get answered later, but you mentioned one of the tragic flaws of the children of Israel was their scholars and leaders. For me, this begs the question of how does one determine who to follow as their leaders? especially because of intersectional identities as Muslim Americans in pluralistic religious community. That is a gigantic question that let's see if we can figure out how to, how to, how to try to uh, uh, answer that at some point. I mean, it wasn't really on the map of, of this course, but uh, let's figure out ways to, to, to try to touch on that because that's a very relevant question. Uh, let's see. It is letting us into what Allah Ta'ala told the Prophet, peace be upon him, and a higher standard on him. Oh, that's referring to, to those commands to the Prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, are there other questions that I have uh, missed? My default understanding, uh, let's see, has been to take all the commands directed to me, unless there's a very specific context that might be different. So I'm suggesting, so this is a private message sent to me, uh, I'm suggesting that, again, if it's a command to the children of Israel, you're welcome to try to implement it, because we're going to get, in this first section, we're going to get 11 commands in a row. Uh, but my suggestion is take them as food for thought. I actually had a student arguing with me, saying, no, I'm going to take these as commands. And I said, all right, you're just making your life more difficult. Okay. Uh, Abdullah's question, Yaqub in the Nation of Islam. So, so to give a little background, part of the theology of the Nation of Islam. So most of you, I believe, are familiar with the Nation of Islam. This is a movement that starts in the 1930s, 1920s uh, in, in the Detroit area. And, and so this is where uh, their belief is that Master Fard Muhammad came in the form of a man and then appointed Elijah Poole as his messenger. He names himself uh, Elijah Muhammad. And they also believe other things, that there's no day of judgment, that your death is a physical death and the resurrection is a mental resurrection. So in their secondary theology is the Yaqub theory, which is that a scientist about 22,000 years ago grafted the white devil uh, from, from the original black race. Uh, is there a connection between that and, the, and uh, uh, Yaqub of the Quran or tradition? I don't know what the connection is. I would assume there is, but um, uh, I've never come across any, anything like that. A lot of the teachings of the Nation of Islam almost seem like cherry-picking names and such and, and assigning them. I suspect there may be a passage in the Bible that gives a hint of something like this, but uh, uh, Abdullah, you probably know the Old Testament better than I do. Uh, uh, Ahant isn't the theology of the Nation of Islam more or less a response to black oppression in the U.S.? Uh, yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, even uh, from within the perspective of the Nation of Islam, the argument is that every nation has received a prophet. And so in the Nation of Islam, the argument is that Elijah Muhammad is the prophet sent to African-Americans. Uh, and it's very much in the context of the African-American uh, experience. Any other questions about anything at all? Why do Muslims belittle the children of Israel? Uh, well, I think... 
it is common to speak of the children of Israel as as uh, innately wicked. It's a very easy read uh, of the story of the children of Israel. And again, I'm suggesting don't look at them as innately wicked. Look at them as very normal. But you have this tragic flaw of ingratitude, um, which is then uh, leading to all kinds of problems. And I think just global politics are, are part of it. You know, when we speak of Zionism and the state of Israel, then then a lot of this gets mixed together. Uh, at the time of the prophet, peace be upon him, how many tribes or clans of Jews were there in Medina? Anybody know? And if your guess is three, you're wrong. So upwards of as many as 12 or 15. And might be as many as 20. Yeah, Dr. Mahan, it might be even that high. The three big tribes are the ones that the prophet, peace be upon him, has conflicts with. Uh, it's harder to find much material on the other tribes uh, uh, as well. And there might be newer scholarship trying to figure out how to connect all these, but um, uh, but that's uh, but my point I'm making is that we are often familiar with Banu uh, Banu Koreda, uh, Tainuka, and Nadir, and that's those are the ones where he himself had conflict with. One was a group that was secretly plotting to kill him. Another group threatened him after Badr. And then, of course, there's a group that betrayed him at the time of Ahzab. Uh, but then there are also multiple signatories to the, the what is today called the Constitution of Medina, which back then was called the Pact with, with the Jews. Um, is it true that the modern-day Jews are almost non-existent right now? A small percentage is living based on Stanford genetic study. The rest is converted Ashkenazi Jews. That's, that's a really good question. Uh, so one point to think about, when we speak of Judaism in America, the overwhelming majority of Jews in America are, are Reformed Jews. And Reformed Jews are sort of like the Protestant version of Judaism in the way the Protestants uh, of, of Christianity are the Protestant version of, of, of Christianity. And so Reformed Judaism is sort of removing the vast majority of the law and it's more of your consciousness uh, as someone Jewish. Whereas in Protestant Christianity, it's removing all the dogma and focusing only on scripture. And in, among Protestant Jews, you'll find different answers to the question, is the Torah, uh, today's Torah authentic? Some will say, no, it's been rewritten, rewritten, rewritten. And then a few will say, no, it is authentic. I also had an Israeli rabbi who's a student. I don't know if he was officially a rabbi, but he's definitely a scholar of text. And I asked him, okay, do you believe that the Torah is unchanged? He said, yes, absolutely. And, you know, in our tradition, the Torah uh, has, been, uh, has, has been changed. And so, so the point I'm making is that uh, I'll be, uh, I will also have issues with the use of Yahud in reference Yahud in the Quran in reference to today's Jews because of, you know, some major differences between reform and orthodox, and there's a third small community, the, the conservative. Um, in the same way that I'm also not fond of using the term Nisara for Christians, because at the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, the Christians of Arabia, uh, like we know Waraka, the uncle of Khadija, we have Bahira, the monk who, who recognized the Prophet, peace be upon him, when the Prophet was a child, they were Nestorian monks who 200 years earlier uh, with the Council of Nicaea, which was the version of Christianity adopted by the Roman Empire, uh, these these Christians in our story were considered heretics. Uh, 
So the Christians in our story that recognize the prophet peace be upon him were not recognized as Christians by by dominant uh, Christianity. And then there's another variation of Christianity in, in Ethiopia, which is what Najashi followed and then extended a bit into, into Yemen. And then that was before you had the schism 500 years later between the Orthodox and the Roman uh, uh, Christianities. And then the Roman Christianity then splits into Catholicism and Protestant tradition. So I'm cautious against using Nisada for Christians in, in uh, uh, modern Christians, Nisada in the Quran for modern Christians. Because what commonly happens, we will see Yahud as innately bad in the Quran, and we'll see Christians as innately good in the Quran, and then apply that today. Uh, and I think there is some truth to it, but I think if you also look at history, uh, most of our wars, Muslim wars uh, outside of Muslim to Muslim combat were, were against the Romans and Christian empires. But we'll touch on those things as, as we get to them. So yes, Ahant, I'm saying Jews referred to in the Quran, we have to be cautious about automatically assuming that they describe Jews in, in uh, you know, the modern context. Uh, we do, we can take them to refer to Jews as Medina. Okay? And we're also gonna make some small distinction between the scholars and leaders versus the laity. Um, like there's a, a hadith attributed to the prophet, peace be upon him, where he is saying, if 10 Jews became Muslim, all of them would have become Muslim. And that was understood to mean the amirs of the various Jewish groups. Uh, Musab, why did they settle in Medina? According to our sources, the, uh, uh, these Jews in their prophecies, the final prophet, the prophet that was going to give them domination, uh, was going to arrive in this land that had such and such palm trees and such. And so some tribes of Jews went looking for that land and then they arrived in what was Yathrib and it fit their, their, their teachings. Now I asked rabbis about this as well, but rabbis were not familiar with this. Um, and I had rabbi students that said, you know, it could be true, you know, in terms of the soup that we call Judaism. I mean, one of the things that, that uh, we have in Islam and Christianity that uh, almost no other tradition, tradition community has is the, uh, are these continuous communities. Judaism has a really, really complicated history, both in terms of the history of the Torah, as well as the history of the communities. A lot of it was reconstructed uh, over time. And, and so that's another reason why to be cautious about looking at the Jews in the Quran as representative of, of the modern Jews. Another example is in Surah At-Tawbah, it speaks of the Jews taking Uzair, Ezra, uh, as a god. And, and, and of course, there's interpretation why, like listening to these people for uh, what they're saying over Allah. But I've never come across, I've asked many, many rabbis about that. They said they weren't familiar with anything like that. Uh, why did they move out of Medina is a, is a question. Uh, and so, so essentially that they were uh, either forcibly removed uh, uh, or, I mean, essentially they were forcibly removed, but either it was because of, of betrayal or threats against the prophet, peace be upon him. There were still for, for centuries after that uh, tribes of Jews living in Yemen, uh, I want to say at least for another 400 years. Are black Jews part of the original Jews? So this relates to the question about the Ashkenazi. So there's a conversation in American Judaism called Ashkenormative. So a great many of the Jews that you would come across in America are Ashkenazi, um, and essentially they're coming from the, the German uh, Germany uh, area. 
They're different than the Ukrainian Jews who migrated uh, quite a bit in the past 20-ish years to, to the United States. And then you have Sephardic Jews, which trace themselves back to Spain. And so these are communities that from our lens are very, very different from each other. And so the dominant Judaism of the United States, and I'm connecting it with power and such as Ashkenazi Zionist Judaism, right? That's the dominant uh, approach to Judaism. But many, many Jews, especially in the reform community will argue that that's not even remotely representative of the various populations of, of Jews. Uh, going on the continuity of traditions, are we a part of the Ummah that, for example, Muslim uh, Musa led peace upon him? Has there been a continuous Ummah for all of human history? Uh, I don't know that we can argue that we're continuous with Musa salam. It's very easy to argue that we're continuous with Muhammad, peace be upon him. But I don't know how, uh, how strong the argument goes if we are before uh, Muhammad, peace be upon him. Uh, uh, but... Uh, you know, your, your, your view is just as good as mine. So yeah, so back to Basir's point, um, uh, black Jews, are they part of the original Jews? There are, for example, groups, for example, like the beta uh, uh, Israelites who, who argue that we're the actual uh, uh, descendants of the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, but that's, uh, the authenticity of that information is, is beyond my knowledge. Any other questions? Uh, a question that was sent to me uh, privately, is it not allowed to follow imams in virtual tarawih, whether live stream or recorded? I'm of the opinion that you cannot follow someone uh, online, which does raise the question, what about women who are watching a television in, in a masjid? And that's its own uh, 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 issue as well. But I'm not of the opinion that you can remotely um, uh, uh, pray tarawih, especially if it's recorded. Uh, nevertheless, you know, I would encourage going to people that have a higher pay grade than I do. Who are the Sabi'in mentioned in the surah? That we'll touch on when we get to Ayah 62, inshallah. Um, any other questions? Are we going to have daily classes again? Yes, inshallah, seven days a week. Because <laughs> y'all love it so much. I, I got a question. Fire away. Actually, um, on the tahrif point, um, you know, that whether the Torah has been altered uh, so the quran clearly says the scriptures have been altered but in our interpretive tradition there was a debate on whether that alteration is in the letter or in meaning mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it could still be that the um according to our our beliefs that the script hasn't changed but that you know the interpretive tradition has altered the meanings um also on the Ozair question Ozair son of god I remember this Basit Koshal, the, our other Basit, he had asked Peter Oaks. And when Basit told Peter Oaks, uh, he, Oaks, from what I remember Basit narrating this story, Oaks kind of was, you know, turned to him in shock. He said, how, how, where did you get this from? Interesting. He said, it's in the Quran. And, he, and then he said, there's this obscure kind of Midrash or something that mentions this in the Jewish sources. Interesting. So, and so there is some kind, something there that people don't know about very well, but mm -hmm. uh, the Quran, um, you know, so that's what it's referring to. Mm -hmm. But uh, the question I have, and I'm, I'm not saying you can answer this or anyone can, but um, something to think about, and I don't know how deep you want to think about this. See what we're doing here, and I really love how you're teaching this, uh, uh, just express gratitude 
now the whole family's here and we're, you know, everyone shows up and they just on their own on time and we're tuned in. And this is a real blessing for us. Um, but one of the things that you have to do as you're teaching this is, you know, qualify so many things. Mm -hmm. They're not wicked. Don't think of them as like your neighbors, American Jews. These are, there's a lot of contextualization. And we see that in other parts of the Quran. The question was asked that, you know, why would the Quran have commands that don't apply to us? Or, and this comes up most important, yesterday it came up in our halaqa in South Bend. Some, you know, people jumped around, even though it was on Al-Fatiha, on the, the wife beating verse. And, well, you know, like strike here. And so there's, you know, all this explanation that has to be done. And one of the questions that um, people ask is, why would the Quran have all of this stuff? And we can think of other things, especially today for us, like slavery and did I freeze? You're. You never. You never get freeze, man. Okay. Can, can you uh, can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Could you could you backtrack about thirty seconds after oh. Wadr Bahuna and then the discussion? Oh. No, no. So basically, what I was asking was what, um, given that our situation is so different now from the original context from which it was revealed that we have to qualify. And if we don't, people read the Quran at face value and, you know, they become anti-Semitic or misogynist. Um, what is the wisdom of having Quran that now our culture is so removed from that it requires so much qualification? I don't know if I yeah. asked that. Well, it's a big question and I'm not sure we're going to answer it, but. Well, I mean, I can, I can give you inshallah, a short version uh, of an answer. And I mean, the simple fact that the Quran is coming in Arabic. Uh, automatically, uh, we can take that, uh, uh, the fact that we're, you know, dominant English speakers here. We could say that, okay, by definition, interpretation is taking place. Translation is taking place. And, and uh, can we argue through the text that the Quran prefers Arabs? Yeah, if it's in an Arabic text, then yeah. And then by extension, can we argue that it is a patriarchal text. I think absolutely we can argue that, right? Uh, but then when we get into context and application, then we will have this issue of qualifications and such. Um, and and so that's that'd be my, my my short version. That I think it's just the nature of interpretation of text of scripture um, that we would like to argue that it is a universal text, which I do believe it is, uh, but not application as is and i'm just using the arabic language of it as as the, the most basic proof of that you know uh one of the points i like i like uh, i was challenging one of my students with um you know about about uh you know the various things that are promised to to people in paradise like we touched on it in the last class that it's the promises of paradise also seem to be focused on uh on things that arabs in particular arab men would be interested in so then I suggested, well, what if paradise, in paradise, all of us are actually just turned into Arab men? Maybe, maybe that's what the lesson is. You know, Leith is like, yeah, I like this one, you know. And Olfat is like, yeah, I don't think so. You know, but the point is, uh, I think that's just the nature of, of, of text. Uh, I will say in the context of what, whatever I've found in terms of our traditional sources about Judaism and Christianity, uh, and I'm speaking from a 2020 lens, it seems to be that a lot of that is written in the context of people who do not have as much interaction with Jews and Christians. Uh, and so it becomes a type of projection. 
But uh, Mahan, what do you think? I mean, I think this is just the nature of 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 scriptural interpretation. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, inshallah. Yeah, I think also supporting your point about about the the text of of the Torah. I think Ibn Khaldun uh, himself argues that the Torah is is unchanged or predominantly unchanged. Um, I'm remembering that um, as as we talk about this right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, why does Allah mention the faults of predecessors to the Jews of the Prophet's time, peace be upon him? Uh, there, that we will get into in terms of, of, of part three, but the short answer we would take is, it's as though Surah Al-Baqarah, one of the nicknames that some people give it is the Surah of the two Ummahs, Ummatayn. And it's as though it's saying, here is the previous generation, here's what Allah has given them, and look at how they responded. And then it shifts to you and I. Here's what Allah is giving to you and I. How are you going to respond? And and that would be one way to to read the overall arc of the entire surah, not not only this specific section. Uh, I don't know if this is an appropriate question, but can you explain where this whole thing about seventy-two versions comes from? It's a hadith. I mean, so you can argue that it's authentic, you know. So, but don't please go jumping, you know, with a bomb or anything like that. You know, I mean, we're already being monitored. By the feds anyway, so um, most likely. Any other questions about anything at all? Zumba. <laughs> yes, Zumba, exactly. Uh, administrative question. I have two people who are interested in joining our new class. Would you let them in? They need to, if you have if you have friends and such who who want to join, they have to go through part one. I'm sorry for being um, a cranky stickler about this, but they need that foundation. That foundation I would suggest is more important than what we are covering uh, in, in this class, inshallah. This class is literally the next layer up, which is now looking at things from a community perspective. Anything else? Cholots of Ramadan Mubarak's Ramadan Kareem's. Olfat, do, do Egyptians still not say Ramadan Mubarak? You know, because, you know, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. It's always Eid Sayyid and Ramadan Kareem. Okay. No other questions? <laughs> All right, we'll stop right here, inshallah, and we'll touch base tomorrow. Oh, you do say Eid Mubarak. Okay, mashallah. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastafirka natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastafirka natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma, glory to you, O Allah, wa bihamdika, praise and gratitude are to you. Nashadu illa ilaha illa anta, we bear witness there is no God but you. Nastafirka, we seek your forgiveness. And we turn to you. May Allah Ta'ala reward you all. And we will be doing that exercise again multiple times. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.